If you're a regular How I Work listener, you're probably a sucker for a morning routine, just like me. And for good reason. When left to our own devices, we're surprisingly bad at something as seemingly simple as getting fed and heading out the door on time. So maybe by now you've got yours perfected. You're meditating, exercising, journaling, drinking water with a pinch of Himalayan rock salt and a squeeze of lemon, all before your first Pomodoro session at the office. Or if you're like the rest of us, it's a work in progress. And to add one very complex variable to the mix, maybe you have kids. Most kids hopefully aren't as interested in being little productivity machines as we are, but the right start to their day is still just as important as yours is. Best-selling author and parenting expert and host of the top-ranking podcast Happy Families, Dr. Justin Coulson, says that the solution is actually to do less. And according to research, it can be as simple as a four-part formula to turn our mornings with kids from messy to magic. My name is Dr. Amantha Imbat. I'm an organisational psychologist and the founder of behavioural science consultancy Inventium. And this is How I Work, a show about how to help you do your best work. So what are some of Justin's time-saving hacks as a working parent, especially when thinking about the mornings? So there's probably a couple of different ways to answer this, Samantha, and I know that um, I, I don't want to get too deep and philosophical, but we do definitely uh, have a couple of those things that I'll share with you in just a tick. Before I do that, though, I think it's probably worth highlighting my relationship with time and how it's changed over the years. And having children has been a really major element to that. I used to feel like time was a resource and I felt like it was my job to maximize and utilize time to the very best of my ability and and to squander time was uh, just the wrong thing to do. Watching my children um, when they get to live their life outside of the structures that we place upon them, for their good, of course, Amantha, um, like school, <laughs> for, for example, what I've discovered is that they actually don't think about time not just not in the way that we think about time, but they actually don't think about time at all. It It isn't important to them. It's not a thing. They, they're so present and so um, delighted to be in whatever moment they're in with, I'm not suggesting that the future isn't important, that we shouldn't be making plans, but just their ability to be there and, and to enjoy that. And, and it's something that I've really learned as I've considered my life. I mean, I'm getting dangerously close to 50 now and and, and I'm maturing. And so, Amantha, I think that to, I, what, I'm, what I've actually decided, and this might sound a little bit woohoo and airy-fairy, but I've decided that I am time. Like I am just made up of the moments that I have. And, and, and with that, it's helped me to be a lot more easy with what happens? I'm a. I'm still. I'm still an efficiency junkie. I still need to get things done. When I step into the office, stuff has to be done. We've got deadlines and all that kind of thing. But when I step out of the office, my focus is actually less about time and efficiency with my children and just being with them. And that might mean that if they're having a bad morning, as much as we have a process for getting through the morning and making sure that, uh, well, five children or four children, now that the oldest ones don't need us so much, are out the door on time and doing what they need to do. Uh, we've kind of 
allowed ourselves to just be with them where they are. We have one daughter as well who has uh, ADHD. And so that has also forced us to look at time and efficiency in a completely different way. So that's a kind of philosophical treatise before my answer. The short answer, though, is we've got a couple of things that we do. Uh, One of the things is what we call our making mornings magic system. Uh, And that's comprised of four elements. Element number one, the morning begins the night before. So that means that we get the kids' lunchboxes organized or at least have them out and ready for the next day. They've got their uniforms. Is it library day? Is it sports day? Do we know where their shoes are? Has a rogue sock been left under the seat in the car? Is their swimming gear ready for the next day? All that sort of stuff. Morning begins the night before. We have found that that is one of the most incredibly useful things to make sure that we have smooth mornings. We even sort of pull out the stuff for breakfast and stick it on the kitchen bench so it's ready. Um, That's the first thing. The second part of the four-part process is that we wake the kids up about 10 or 15 minutes before they need to be awake. And what that does is it creates two things. First of all, connection, because when we wake them up, we walk into the room gently and softly and sit with them and give them a hug and talk to them about the dream that we've woken them from or what they're looking forward to in the day. We just have two or three minutes with each of them. It doesn't take long, but they wake up feeling connection before we move into the next room. And then, Amantha, the critical thing, it also creates margin because no one's rushing because we've got an extra 10 or 15 minutes because everyone's getting up a little bit early. The third thing that we do is we actually have uh, kind of like a breakfast and lunch system. The kids put in their breakfast order and their lunch order by, you know, when you go to a motel, usually a cheap motel on the side of a highway, you can do a quick tick and flick for room service breakfast the next day. And you order those two pieces of thin white bread uh, with a couple of fried eggs that usually arrive cold and a little bit too too hard, not running enough, but you've got that tick and flick process. So we actually use, we don't do it anymore because the kids have got the system nailed, but to start it off, we would get the kids to fill in their menu for breakfast and lunch the night before, which means that when they walk out into the kitchen, the list of what they need to do is already there, what they're going to eat, what they're going to prepare, how it's going to work. And I I can't tell you how amazing that is to remove the decision-making process from a tired, sleepy Um, child's mind. They just have to look at the piece of paper and make that. And we've spent the time to teach them to make it, which means that step number four is that we don't tell them what to do. What we do instead is we say, hey, how are you going with the five things that need to be done this morning? What's next? How can I help? That is so good. I'm taking like copious notes as you're talking, Justin. I'm loving this. We we found that it's made an enormous difference. Uh, And in fact, it was so popular that the New York Times picked up an article that I wrote and they published it. So if people want more, you could probably just link to the Making Mornings Magic New York Times piece that I wrote. Uh, And it outlines precisely what those steps are and also how it taps in with basic psychological needs that kids have. And this is why it works. Because it, it fulfills the need for connection. They're getting lots of that when we wake them up nice and early and spend time with them. But also as we say, hey, how are you going? What help do you need? Which is connection rather than where are your shoes? Why haven't you done this? Hurry up. We're going to be late, which is correction and direction. So it meets that need for connection. It satisfies the need for autonomy because they're making lots of choices about what they're going to eat or what they're going to do to make the morning work. And it also satisfies a basic psychological need for what researchers call competence, 
because they, um, they, they do it themselves. We spend the time teaching them how to make their breakfasts, how to scramble their eggs, how to pour milk onto their wheat bix uh, and, and how to get their lunch organised, which may, means that by the time they're about sort of eight or nine years old, they're doing it all on their own, which, which is just bliss for a parent who is busy and tired and probably stayed up too late the night before watching Netflix instead of remembering that their morning began the night before as well. <laughs> That's very cool. I was curious around what you were saying, just around being really present and almost losing that sense of time and almost the artificial structure that a lot of us can impose onto our kids. And it was funny. It reminded me of a moment this morning with my daughter before homeschool started and we were playing with Lego and I'm on a never ending mission to sort all the Lego blocks into their appropriate colored boxes. I mean, like that's like achieving inbox zero. It might happen for one minute and then it'll all be ruined. And I was just, I was really in flow and I asked Frankie, you know, do you know what it means to be in flow? And she said, no, no. And so we were talking about that concept, which I feel is, you know, all about just being really present and losing yourself in the moment. So what has helped you be present with your children? Because I feel like that's easier said than done. It's paradoxical. Uh, but what I've discovered is that when I try to do it all, I feel stressed and pressured and uh, frustrated and I, 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 just, I feel like the world is moving too fast. And, and the, the great paradox of this is I've had to recognise that I am finite and my time is finite and my capacity is finite and that therefore I can't do it all. And, and the tremendous paradox of accepting that you can't do it all is that you kind of sit there for a, so a second on the sofa and think, I'm helpless. I can't do this. But then this really remarkable thing comes out of that acceptance. And that is, well, if I can't do it all, what will I do? Because I am going to do something. And it's in that moment that you kind of get this, well, if you're intentional about it, you get this crystallization of values. If I can't do it all this morning in terms of my gigantic to-do list, I'm supposed to, I mean, if you read all the health and wellness blogs, I'm supposed to meditate and I'm supposed to have my spiritual uh, or religious practice and I'm supposed to exercise and I'm supposed to work on my to-do list or my mantras or my affirmations or I've got to look at my, I mean, you, you know, the, the blogs that I'm talking <laughs> yes. about. And they make you feel so inadequate because no, not very many of us wake up and, <laughs> and live our lives like that. And, and what has happened instead is I sit there and I'm like, okay, so that's not going to work for me. So what can I do? What matters? And that's actually part of the way we distilled our mornings. We looked at how mornings needed to work and we realized that our children really have either four or five things to do. They need to have breakfast, make their lunch, get dressed and do their hair and brush their teeth. And if they can do that by, by a certain time, what that allows is all the other stuff is superfluous. All the other stuff doesn't really matter. And as we've taught them how to do those things themselves, as we've developed their competence, what it's meant for us is that we can actually be in those moments with them. We don't have to be rushing around and stressing and panicking about it. And, and it just makes it makes such a difference. Now, do we get it perfectly? Do we have calm, peaceful mornings every morning? No, that's, that's, that, that would be just such a 
such a lie. Uh, but most mornings, we actually get it 80 or 90% of the way there. Uh, it might be our, our challenging child or a child who's had a lousy sleep or woken up with a sore head or just got out of bed on the wrong side. Um, that, that stuff happens. Sometimes it's me or my wife. But just pausing and, and being intentional about it and having done that that heavy lifting in those early years, those first five to seven years, gee, it makes a difference. I think there's one other thing as well that really sits in with this uh, in, a, in a profound way for me as a parent, and it seems to resonate with a lot of parents that I talk about, Amantha. It, it, may, it may do the same thing for you. There's a, a, an old, old saying in the parenting literature. It's been around for decades, and that is that to a child, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And if love is spelt T-I-M-E, I can't help but pause and wonder what hurry up says to a child, what that means to a child. My sense is that hurry up to a child's something like um, you don't matter. You're, it's my agenda that is king here. We are so, so focused all the time on managing time. But what if I am time? What if I am the moments that occur in time because they're happening in me? What if what if I choose how I'm going to not use time, but how I'm going to be right now? And what will that do to my experience of this moment? What will that do to my experience of time? What will that do in terms of the relationships that my family have with me? Um, that that's kind of that that's really affected the way that I think about my my time, or in other words, how I am with my family, with my children, mornings, afternoons, evenings. Now, Justin, for people that are keen to connect with you and consume more of your work, what is the best way for listeners to do that? Uh, well, I'm the co-host and parenting expert on the brand new Channel 9 TV show, Parental Guidance. So basically, if you Google my name, all roads from Google will lead to my Facebook page, my Instagram, my website, uh, happyfamilies.com.au. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty visible on the internet and, uh, and I'll be pretty easy to find. Fantastic. Justin, I have learned so much. Thank you so much for your time. Amantha, I hope it was valuable. Thank you. If you like Justin's advice, check out his podcast, Happy Families. It's one of my favourites for getting research, fact and practical parenting advice. And if you're looking for more tips to improve the way that you work, I write a short fortnightly newsletter that contains three cool things that I've discovered that help me work better, which range from interesting research findings through to gadgets that I'm loving. You can sign up for that at howiwork.co. That's howiwork.co. How I Work is produced by Inventium with production support from Deadset Studios. And thank you to Martin Imber, who does the audio mix for every episode and makes it all sound amazing. See you next time. <laughs>